Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. everybody and welcome to another special programme for the end of the year 2020, or at least the racing season 2020. Uh, in this show, I'll be joined by Shea Adam and Jeremy Shaw as we focus our attentions stateside to the NTT IndyCar series. Uh, first of all, welcome to my two guests. Hello, Shea. Hello, John. And hello, Jeremy Shaw. Good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you happen to be. Good to be with you. Uh, another, I mean, we'll start all of these review programmes by saying what a strange year. Um, and no difference really in IndyCar. 14 races uh, that started much later than they were expecting. Nine venues. And we actually finished off at the round that we almost got started, Jeremy, at St. Pete's. Uh, it I think we'd had a practice session, hadn't we? Uh, and uh, and then that didn't happen. But again, kudos to the whole organisation, all the teams, the promoters, uh, and of course IndyCar themselves for mag- managing to get a 14-race season off in this very difficult year. Yes, uh, true. Uh, and I, was, I, I can say I was there. Uh, unfortunately, just for the first one. Um, uh, and no, there was no practice session. In fact, oh, the, the, the meeting was called off on Friday. I think it was on Friday. It might have been Thursday. Uh, Any case, it was it was before the uh, the Indy cars uh, were out on the track at all. So uh, you know they were they were unpacking, but uh, never got to run on the track. But yeah, no, it was a really strange year. And and you know, hats, again, as you say, hats off to IndyCar for for making it all happen. And you know, very. Very few. I mean, other than the complete disruption to the schedule and and everything else, the fact there were no fans at the vast majority of the races, uh, there were you know very few other 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 effects from the pandemic. What I mean by that is that uh, I think uh, I don't think any drivers were forced to, to miss any races uh, as a result of it, which is which is pretty remarkable. One thing that did bite the dust, Jeremy, is we did not have an Indy Light season this year. There were seven or maybe eight cars uh, lined up to do that, and we've known that even in previous years with small numbers that uh, championship has been tremendously uh, competitive, but we didn't get one at all this year. Uh, no, indeed, and uh, I think that was uh, the, the smart move. It, it certainly... Uh, put a crimp in the pa- plans of several Europeans that were planning, thinking uh, of coming over to do the championship, uh, and so uh, yeah, that, that was that was a really smart decision, uh, I, I think, by by everybody involved, and they were able to concentrate on the the two uh, lower levels on the on the road to Indy presented by Cubitars, and you know those two teams are absolutely absolutely superb in actual fact, and there's been you know a fair bit of momentum building during the year and uh, everybody's pretty hopeful that Indy Lights uh, not only will be back next year but will be back with a you know, reasonable field of hopefully at least a dozen cars perhaps a few more than that and uh, of course there'll be more champions joining the field as a result of winning various scholarships that are available to go to, to enable drivers to move up into Indy Lights you know, and unique in the world of racing particularly at this sort of level 
uh, there's proper scholarship opportunities for drivers to move up. Uh, and by that, Jeremy, you mean actual money being given to the scholarship winners uh, as long as they take that into the next level of racing. These are folding type dollars uh, to advance their careers. Uh, and at a level, we're not talking, you know, 25 and 6 pence here, that goes showing my age. Um, but they, uh, we're not talking small amounts of money here. We're talking good budgets that teams actually could fight over to, to get those people in their teams. Very much so. I mean, it, you know, the, uh, the full season cost of, uh, of Indy Lights is probably, yeah, give or take, uh, maybe $100,000, somewhere around, around, around about a million. Uh, but uh, the champions from, from Indy Lights certainly can get a, you know, a better deal than that. And you know, the, the scholarships that are available from the uh, from the Indy Pro, 2 cha- Indy, Indy Pro 2000 Championship to move up into uh, Indy Lights is valued at $800,000. Wow. Uh, and uh, the Formula Regional Series also got a scholarship of, uh, uh, of close to that also to move up for this year. So, you know, it, th- these, are, you know these are serious scholarship mounts. You, you, can't, you can't go take the money and... R- r- you relax on a beach somewhere for the rest of your life. <laughs> uh, it has to be used uh, to go uh, up to the next level. But, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a sensational scholarship that is available to drivers. Yeah, I do like the idea of uh, running off to a beach and opening a bar somewhere, but no, not allowed uh, to do that. Shea, uh, we had 35 drivers across the season who scored points. Uh, the last of the drivers that scored points... By uh, by my reckoning, and I, I'm prepared to be uh, uh, corrected on this, was Scott McLaughlin who came in uh, at the at the end of the season. Yeah, correct. The uh, rookie sensation in IndyCar made his long-awaited <laughs> debut. Uh, yeah, he's he's a guy who is a bit of a legend already down uh, in Australia for winning the Supercars Championship what, three times in three years? So a very good record coming off, but looking for a new adventure. And he did get to St. Pete after doing some testing way earlier on in the year. I think it was back in February at Sebring. Made his debut. We do know that he's going to be running in the 2021 season with Team Penske. So a big future ahead for Scott McLaughlin. But you're right. We did have a lot of drivers taking part in races across the year. And of course, in IndyCar, if you start a race, you score points. So 35 drivers in total, Perhaps not as many as we would have seen in a non-COVID year, what with 33 in the Indy 500 alone, but still a good range of people with a range of experience. Uh, and uh, as ever, Jeremy, the speculation, we start the season uh, or we got close to the start of the season with speculation about more engine manufacturers coming in, Ferrari uh, were mentioned. They didn't materialise this year, nor were they expected to. Uh, that seems to have disappeared uh, now, reading between the lines of a couple of press releases that I've seen. But before we get to the racing, we should talk about some of the big changes because, of course, there were massive changes in the Indy car uh, organisation and at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Well, that's right. Uh, with uh, the, the sale of the Speedway and effectively the series, uh, to come uh, now under the under the control of Roger Penske, who's of course been a legendary name in this sport. I mean, his team has been, well, really a dominant force, uh, along with uh, Chip Ganassi Racing over the last phew, 20 years, basically in the IndyCar series. Uh, come up, we've got a couple of stats on that uh, later, which will come up later on. But yeah, big big news that Roger Penske was going to take that over, and yeah, it was really unfortunate 
I think for everybody concerned that it would be this year that Roger would take it over. Uh, by, by the same token, this was the best year that uh, it could be taken over by Roger Penske, most likely, because perhaps under under other guidance, it might have fallen away completely. So uh, unfortunately for Roger Penske and his group, he wasn't able to enact many of the changes that had been anticipated once the sale had been confirmed. But uh, like I say, there were still some big strides made forward. And I think a lot of investment already has been made, particularly at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, in terms of building for the future. Yes, good point. Uh, So we were left then at the start of the season with the Honda and Chevrolet power units, Jeremy. Uh, Roughly... How did they get on? What would be your uh, decision uh, as the year, as the season went through? Uh, did they finish up fairly equal? Uh, yes, indeed, they did. Uh, you know, they, uh, they each had seven wins. Uh, so you, know, you look at it that way and uh, you know, it was a very open year uh, for the, for the uh, manufacturers. It has been for the last two or three years, actually. If you look at you know, most of the stats, laps led, uh, wins, poles, all that sort of stuff, it was all pretty, pretty, pretty well split. Uh, so, yeah, another good season, I think, for, for both manufacturers. Uh, this year at, uh, at uh, Indianapolis, it was uh, it was Honda that came out on top uh, uh, and in the Manufacturers' Championship uh, as, as, as well, but, but not by very much. It was, it was pretty tight all the way through. Uh, I, I, I don't know how far we ought to go down the, uh, the championship uh, standings. As I say, Scott McLaughlin um, was the, the last driver uh, to uh, grab some uh, grab some points in the, the last season of the year. So he finished 35th uh, in the championship. We had James Davison and Ben Hanley. Spencer Piggott uh, jumped in for a couple of points scoring uh, races. Fernando Alonso uh, came in for uh, Indianapolis, of course. Uh, GR Hildebrand, see above comment. Uh, Sage Caram. We're inside the top 30 now. Um, so uh, thoughts uh, on, on that sort of bottom six or seven? Um, obviously, not all of those guys doing full championships uh, by any stretch of the imaginations, Jeremy. Many of those just... No, just, for just doing... Yeah, just, just a one-off races there for all. Uh, Spencer did, did two. Uh, Sage Caram uh, did an extra uh, three races other than Indianapolis. Uh, and uh, Ilya Castroneves and, and Sebastian Bourdais, they both did, uh, well, Bourdais actually didn't race in Indianapolis, but did, it did three, three races, races at, the, at end. the end of the yeah. season. Yeah, just to, to build towards next year. He's going to be back uh, next year on a full-time basis. Ilya Castroneves he was did a another, couple, didn't he? Uh, yeah, in addition to, the, uh, to, to Indianapolis. He was planning just to do Indianapolis, but uh, for some bizarre reason uh, that's way beyond me, uh, Arrow Schmidt-Peterson decided to uh, release Oliver Askew uh, from their, from his uh, uh, co- contract for, that was supposed to run into into next year, and when he, when uh, Oliver was forced to miss a couple of races towards the end of the year, not a result of COVID, but as a result of a, a heavy crash he had in Indianapolis, uh, Elio Castroneves was invited to drive the uh, the second Irish Schmidt car there, which was again was a somewhat bizarre choice, and uh, and uh, he was going to be, and you know they're, they're looking to that same sort of a scenario next year, bringing Montoya back for Indianapolis. Some, yes. some, some, some sort of weird decisions going on there in my, from my perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When, when, to be honest, we were praising that team for taking some 
uh, young talent in and, and trying to develop them. That's what we were talking about in Midweek Motorsport when we talked with you and Jeremy at the, at the end of last year and the start of this season. Yeah, and it's it's something that we were really excited about in our IndyCar preview, even to begin the year. The fact that someone like Oliver Askew, who rose through the ranks with with such fervor around him, I mean, he he won everything, he earned his way up, rightfully so, hardworking, nice kid too. Mm. To then all of a sudden be ousted from the program, yes, he did have a couple of big crashes this year, but that's no excuse. That that's not to say that. Well, you know, just because you've crashed a couple of times, I'm sorry, your career is over. No, it, it doesn't make any sense. And particularly like what Jeremy was saying, he's the future. Why would you replace him with people who have already had their opportunities? Um, it's very strange decision making. But to be honest, Aerosmith Peterson, they, they know that something is going to happen. They've got um, the guys and the, the smarts of Robbie Wickens still as a coach. Clearly, that worked well for Padua Ward this year. I don't understand the logic of losing Oliver, but at least they're holding on to one of their youngsters. Mm. Um, so we mentioned uh, a few names there, and Elio was in 27th. In 26th position uh, in the championship with 67 points, a rookie, Dalton Kellett, uh, Dalton Kellett, excuse me, eight races completed this year with AJ Foyt. Uh, and uh, did some. He's done some uh, IMSA racing as well, which uh, we've watched him. Uh, young Canadian getting uh, getting his first first opportunity in IndyCar, Jeremy, and, and did uh, Indianapolis GP two race at Road America, the 500, the two Mid Ohio's, and the two Harvest. GPs. It's not unusual. We should say for people who don't know, it's not unusual for people not to do full seasons with uh, some of the, uh, the the teams, particularly some of the teams outside the the mega teams. Um, eight races for Dalton. What do we reckon? Decent start. Uh, yeah, did a very good job actually. I mean, mm. Dalton's that you know, a veteran of the Road to Indy. Uh, in fact, he's, he's he he made more starts on the Road to Indy than any other driver. A total of 129 uh, over the uh, over the last uh, what five six years. Uh, so you know he certainly prepared himself well from that perspective. Um, uh, he had a, a grand total of zero wins uh, <laughs> in any of the three levels from those 129 races, but was always you know he was always a top top. You know, five, five or six guy, uh, and uh, to be perfectly honest, I think he did a really good job in, in the Indy cars. I mean, that was a, a big step in terms of horsepower and, and your overall level of competitive competitiveness. He never he never challenged the top ten, um, but uh, well, I wouldn't have, would have would not have ex- expected him to do so. But he was never way off the back of the field uh, at all. So you know, he did he did a, a, a very respectable job. And uh, you know, hats off to Dalton for you know for, for having the confidence to make that step with a team, AJ Foyt Racing, that hasn't really done much at all over the last several years. So yeah, good respectable job by, by Dalton. Really cool guy, and uh, you know did did well. I I would prefer to see him in in uh, following a sports car route. As you say, he did mm. a few races there and did a good job there as well. And I think he could be a pretty pretty darn good sports car driver. I think he's always going to struggle to challenge the leaders at the uh, NTT IndyCar Series level. But look, this is his dream. He's followed his dream and, uh, did, yep. like I say, did a respectable job in 2020. Certainly an aim to watch out for the future. Uh, somebody at the other end of his career, one uh, uh, place and uh, 15 or so points uh, further up the standing share, Ed Carpenter, 
who who started pretty well actually, finished fifth at Texas uh, at the start of the season, was doing the Orvilles as he has tended to do down through the years, and, and, and frankly that was as good as it got for his uh, his finishing. Uh, position, although there was a couple of times he was taken out uh, in in accidents there, and he'll do, he's going to do the ovals again uh, next year, as far as we're aware. Yeah, that's sort of uh, Ed Carpenter's mo. And as far as uh, we go, speaking about people who are doing the right thing and giving young drivers an opportunity, Ed Carpenter sharing the car all year with Connor Daly, yeah. Connor doing the road course races. It it makes sense. He doesn't want to be doing every race on the calendar as a driver. He would, I mean, in an ideal world, yes, he would want to be doing that, but he understands that there aren't really that many races for him to win. The last time he won was at Texas on an oval. He is very much a guy who is fabulous on ovals. He's been on the Indy 500 pole multiple times before. Um, he's a guy who's, as you said, the the sunset of his career is, is closer than the sunrise. But I do appreciate the fact that Ed can still come out, even though he didn't lead a lap this year. He was still a name that people were talking about mm-hmm. and for multiple reasons, not just for team owner. Yeah, and I think he's, he's he is the last owner driver, isn't he, uh, Jeremy, in the NTT IndyCar series, Ed? Yes, absolutely he is. Fall back uh, to yeah, an early age in some respects. Yeah, very much so. And yeah, and as and, and as you say there, you know, he is he, he's he's got the future in mind for his team. Um I think it would be beneficial to have uh you know the same you know, to run three cars with a third one for himself in the in the uh in the oval races because he is very good on the ovals and had mm. no luck at all no, this didn't. year. On those oval tracks, but having said that, you know the, the first race of the season at Texas uh, had a really good run and, and had a top five. So you know he can certainly still get it done on the ovals, no question about that, because the ovals is all about experience. And uh, as I say, hats off to him for making things happen, and particularly where you know this year when it was it's, it's always difficult to raise to raise money to go racing, and particularly when there's a global pandemic around, and you know the budgets in the IndyCars are you know, not cheap. They're nothing like Formula One, of course, uh, not even you know not even a, a, a minuscule fraction of it. But still, it's a lot of money you have to raise. And uh, hats off to uh, Ed Carpenter for continuing to do that every year. Uh, next up is Tony Kanan, uh, who did one, two, three, four, five, six races, seven races this year. No, six races, I was right, in the first place. Hasn't won since uh, 2014 at the Auto Club. Uh, so that was 90, nine zero starts. Uh, running with AJ Foyt in the number 14 Chevrolet powered ABC supply company car. Well, I mean, there's not much that we can say in very much more about Tony Kanan uh, and a take here, Jeremy, because he, he has he has done it all, albeit perhaps some little time ago now. Yes, and 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 he is another one who's going to get an opportunity to do a handful of races next year. To say this was going to be this was going to be the goodbye tour. Yes, it for was. Tony Kanan this season. You know, he's sort of signing off um, with the fans. You know, he's 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 had a, a tremendous career at this level. Of course, he started. He was one of many many drivers that started in Indy Lights, uh, and. Um, you know, was uh, had had a great career. Won championships. Won won the five hundred. You know, won everything basically. And you know, he's he's a fan favourite, and he was looking to to end on a positive note this season. Unfortunately, of course, the fans weren't there, so he was unable to sign off in the way he wanted to. So it's great that he's been given an opportunity to do that next year, when hopefully there will be some fans in attendance. Yeah, I agree, and and I. I... 
I know that there will be people who'll be going, oh, he's another driver who's retired, then he's unretired. But so much, as Jeremy mentioned there, shit, a fan favourite. It, it seemed not not just wrong, but it, it was it was disastrous in some ways that yeah. TK should go out on a year where there wasn't anybody in the stands for the majority of the season. Yeah, and, and he's somebody who thrives off the energy of the fans. <laughs> I I know I've said it before, but I was there the year that he won the Indy 500, and the crowd noise as he came around behind the uh, Chevy Corvette safety car was louder than the engines as wow. the people were cheering to finally see him win that race. It was, I, I get goosebumps thinking about that. So for him not to be able to celebrate that final year, and uh, okay, it was a partial season. His consecutive streak starts, that ended this year, mm. but he needs to be around the people. He needs to celebrate with the people, and quite frankly, he's deserved it. Yeah, don't disagree. Uh, James Hinchcliffe started the season thinking he would be spending most of it in a pit lane or a commentary box. He actually managed to get six starts on the year, taking his total in the series to uh, 145. Uh, his best finish, I think, was a seventh at the Indy 500 share. Uh, Hinchcliffe, another Canadian, uh, another fan favourite. Uh, good to see the smile uh, back on his face after a, a very difficult couple of years. And speaking on behalf of Canada, <laughs> Canada needs James Hinchcliffe in IndyCar because he is the driver right now who's the hope. He, we've had uh, Paul Tracy is the, the great, you know, the one that everyone thinks about. But James Hinchcliffe, he's fabulous with the microphone. He's even better with the steering wheel. And he belongs behind the wheel of a car. Only three laps led this year for James. He'll be grateful for every one of them, though, given that at the start of the year, it looked like he wasn't going to be doing very much racing at all. And the fact that he was able to round out the season with the finishing at St. Petersburg, all right, cautions came into play and things didn't exactly work out for him. But he was still competitive, and he was with Andretti. Things just sort of felt right again for Hinch, and I hope they carry on for 2021. Quite important for Canada, but also for for Honda in Canada, Jeremy. I mean, we reported this again on Midweek Motorsport. He had a budget, and he's an ambassador for Honda. So there was the will to get him in a car. And, I mean, six starts, probably maybe a little bit more than he he expected, but still not, uh, not what we would hope for for somebody who's clearly still got the talent as much talent as James has yeah you know really disappointing for James I mean you know he the end of lot towards the end of last year he was you know planning on staying with uh, the new Schmidt Peterson mm. uh, uh, McLaren organization there he had a contract with them and then uh, he, he, they said they showed him the door uh, which they clearly have no compunction uh, <laughs> about doing you know, they did it again with Oliver Askew um, both of whom you know Hinchcliffe and Askew did a really good job at all things considered, you know, um, we'll come to ask you shortly. But for mm. for, jo- for Joseph, yeah, he, he's uh, maybe he'll be back next year. Certainly hope so. You know, Indy was a, a really good run in Indianapolis. Uh, it was in the top ten, you know, the, the whole the whole quote unquote month, as we used to say there when it used to we used to last pretty much a whole month. Uh, and then at, at St. Pete, finally, he had he had a good run as well because the other the other races were pretty nondescript for for Joseph, for uh, for James this year. But St. Pete, he did he qualified well, qualified on the second row of the grid. Uh, that was by far, other than Indianapolis, his best runner of the year. So he's hoping that will build some momentum for next season. But uh, we'll have to wait and see because yeah, it was a Gainbridge car 
that he stepped into for those final couple of races. Uh, but now that car has, has already gone to Colton Herter yeah. for next year. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see what uh, what transpires for James Hinchcliffe. Just outside the top 20s, we count down the NTT IndyCar Series finishing order for drivers at 22. Max Chilton did nine races uh, on the season uh, for Carlin, Chevrolet Power, uh, the uh, Indy 500 and the non-ovals uh, it would uh, was was his program this year this is his fifth season of NTT IndyCar Jeremy and and you've got to go back to 2017 for his best finish when he finished fourth at uh, Indianapolis it, it's I, I I never know what to say at this time of the year about Max. I mean, this year he he's, he was. I don't think he finished inside the top ten, did he? Eleventh uh, position. No, at the Harvest GP one uh, was his his best finishing position of the year. Solid midfield runner, but I do feel that Max should be doing better than that now. Yeah, you know, former Indy Lights champion, you know, raced in Formula One uh, for for a while as well. Uh, he, he qualified among the top ten on two occasions this year, both uh, on the Indianapolis uh, Grand Prix road course. Mm. Uh, and that's no mean feat to qualify in the top 10 here. Let, let you know, make no mistake. Yeah. This is a fantastically competitive field. Uh, but uh, it is difficult when you, you know, he, he elected a couple of years ago not to do the oval races, just to do the road courses. So he's concentrated on those. And, you know, and the, uh, for the Carlin team this year, it was, it was a bit of a, a stopgap year. They were planning on running two cars. The, the talk was it was going to be for Felipe Nasser, but with the COVID yes. situation, that, that uh, the second car went by the board. So uh, he was driving on the road courses, kind of daily driving it on the ovals, which makes it awfully difficult for the for the team really to have any kind of momentum and, and keep it going through through the course of the year. Uh, so you know, all things considered, you know, I think Max did a did a very res- respectable job. Uh, yeah, say as you say, he didn't finish in the top ten, but it was out just just outside it on a couple of occasions and did qualify inside it uh, twice. So you know, again respectable and we'll see if he can uh, build upon that for next year and get the results that he thinks he deserves on the road courses. He's normally pretty good at finishing uh, and if you go back to his Formula 1 days, I think he was he's still the only rookie ever to finish all of his races in his, uh, his debut season uh, in Formula 1. Uh, just outside the top 20 uh, uh, is uh, the uh, 21st finisher, Zach Veach, who did 11 of 14 uh, races this year and he had his best uh, race of the uh, best finish of his career or tied it at least year at Texas uh, this year uh, in uh, fourth position there Zach Veach for an Andretti Autosport Honda Power for the number 26 car Things looked good at the start of the year for Zach Veach and, and the Gainbridge car the 26 um, and then they went downhill unfortunately sort of a a strange situation where zach stepped out of the car for the remainder of the three races um that was the the last second jerry well he he was stepped out of it yes he he was he was asked to vacate the the property yes yeah a very odd situation though for zach and and there's been a lot of uh rumors and speculation about if his IndyCar career is done and if he is going to come into sports car racing, which are, they're getting louder and stronger. Um, But he is one of those drivers that just never 
a, a bit like what you were saying with Max Chilton. The results don't match the expectations mm -hmm. for Zach Veach. And there was a lot of that this year with only two issues as far as the car was concerned, two mechanical issues in races. Everything else, the results were just sort of meh. Yeah. I, I mean, he's He's been with Andretti pretty much throughout his, his uh, single-seater career. Graduated from the Road to Indy, Jeremy, and, and raced with Andretti. He's been... Uh, now four seasons with Andretti uh, as well. Uh, and uh, as you say, he was asked to vacate the, the last three uh, races uh, of the season. Has it, has his time just run out in the NTT IndyCar Series and with Andretti? Most likely. Uh, but it, it come, it'll come down to money. Uh, he was the one who found the Gainbridge sponsorship mm -hmm. uh, to come to Andretti. Yeah. So it's, 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 you know, you've know got to feel, feel for him for being uh, turfed out of that right towards the end of this season. And as Shay would say, he started off uh, you know, really well uh, at Texas, qualified uh, fifth, uh, finished fourth. Um, the next time he qualified better than uh, 17th, ironically, was the final race he did, which was at Mid-Ohio, where he qualified 13th. So I think that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. It's a very disappointing year uh, for, for Zach. Uh, having said that, it was a disappointing year for Andretti in, in total. I mean, apart from, you know, he, it started off well enough, as you say, at Texas for him. But uh, the for the, the Andretti team, they really struggled through the first part of the year. We'll talk about that more later on. It's only towards the end that they finally found some proper form that they, they should have been showing earlier on, I think. And, and by, by then, of course, Zach was out of the picture. So, yeah, yeah you've got a feel for him. You know, he's a guy who's, you know, he's, he's a super nice guy. He's worked super hard to make everything happen. He, he, he's a tiny little guy. I mean, yeah. he, you wonder how he has the strength to drive one of these cars. Uh, but, uh, you know, has, has done a respectable job. And, uh, you know, you've got, to, you've got to give him credit for that. I'm pleased... and, and a good ambassador for the sport. Too. Yeah, I'm pleased you mentioned the travails of Andretti because they're in Zach Veitch in 21st on 166 points. In 20th, with just 10 points more, having done the full season, so done the full 14 races, is Marco Andretti, whose highlight of the year is pole position at the Indianapolis 500. And that is about it for Marco this year and the US Concrete <laughs> number 98 Honda, uh, Jeremy. As you, when you say it wasn't a good year for, for Andretti, it wasn't for any aspect of the Andretti name. No, uh, you're dreadful. I mean, everything that possibly could go wrong did go wrong. He made some mistakes. Certainly the team made mistakes. He did get the fastest lap at Road America. He qualified in the top 10 uh, three times. Another couple of times just missed the top 10. So he, he, he quite frequently he qualified or practiced uh, very competitively. And then things, things seemed to go wrong in the races. It was a weird year for Marco Andretti. Uh, very, very. And I'm, I'm not sure, again... Some of the words that are about to come out of my hat mouth, um, we'll have said before. I'll have said before in these programmes, uh, uh, Shea. But but really, Marco needs uh, he needs to show something because he's had some quite lean times. We thought, didn't we, when they changed the car a couple of seasons ago? It looked like he'd got on top of that with the reduced downforce levels, and it looked like he might be competitive, and he had a couple of decent runs. But as everybody else has got their heads around that, it, his, his form has evaporated again. Yeah, four top 15 finishes yeah. this year, which is not a stat that he'll want to keep. If that's um, the top stat, one. if that's the top stat, you've had a bad year when you're talking about four top 15s, aren't you? I mean, yeah, 
Yeah, between that and then you throw in, you mentioned the the Indy 500 poll. Yay, best year ever for Marco. Yay. Well, he didn't even lead the first lap. Um, so that's kind of the summary no, he of 2020. He didn't make the lap, that's right. Didn't lead a lap. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well. It all went wrong pear-shaped for him there. But, yeah, I mean, he's just uh, he's a, just an enigma, is, is, is Marco, because uh, on his day, he could be super fast and yeah. super focused, and yeah, you think he's he's concentrated in in the right way. His how, mind is concentrated. How old is he now, Jeremy? How old is he now? Not sure to be honest. Got pushing thirty, I suppose. Uh, I've got a, I've got a feeling. Eighty-seven, thirty-three. Yeah, I, I yeah. was going to say I thought he was in his early thirties. Oh, yeah, Time flies, he's not the it? kid anymore. We've said that about Graham Rahal and down through the years, and the same can be said of of. Of Marco. Um, let's move up an, another position. Uh, you're with us here on the Radio Show Limited Network of Channels. NTT IndyCar Series 2020 uh, is what we're looking at. Inside the top uh, 20 then at 19, another 19 points uh, further on from Marco Andretti is Oliver Askew. Now, we've talked about Oliver a little bit. He drove the uh, Arrow uh, Lucas Oil number 7 Chevrolet for Arrow McLaren SP. Did, uh, what, 12 of the 14 races this year. Um, It was his rookie season. And, I mean, the guy's a prodigious talent, Jeremy. He's come from karting to IndyCar in, what, four years? And 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 he's done well at every level. Yeah, yeah, he has. And, uh, you know, why they've... uh showing him the door is it, 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 it was totally I was told I've been told by several people it was totally down to Arrow uh, the the uh, the main sponsor there really? at, at uh, Arrow Schmidt uh, Arrow McLaren Schmidt Peterson uh, that they what they, they just want results period end of story that's it um, but I mean you know for, for a first year at this level um, I thought he did a darn good job you know he, uh, he he finished on the on the podium at Iowa he also led at Indianapolis. No other rookie driver this year, and that includes Renus VK, led more than one race during the season. He led two. Mm. Um, uh, he, he qualified in the top five uh, once. And, you know, by all accounts, he did a good job. Yeah, he made a couple of mistakes, no question about it. But the talent is there, as uh, as even Sam Smith will tell you, you know, he, 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 who's one, one of the team principals there. He was overruled. You know, he, he was one of the guys. Oh, really? He's always tried to help out young drivers. Uh, and uh, it was he, I think, who, who managed to sway the the rest of the the management there. That you know Oliver and Pado would be a great build for the future, yeah. and that's really what it looked like for most of this season, quite frankly. Yeah, P- you know, Pado already had a half a dozen races under his belt from last year. Uh, he's he's got you know, a lot more experience at this sort of level uh, and in racing in general, actually, than uh, than Oliver does. But uh, you know, it was a good team. They got on well together. Um, the, the engineering team was impressed by what uh, Askew brought to the table and uh, just a kind of very strange decision to go back on that plan to build for the future because I think the future would have been very, very strong for the, for the entire team, building that continuity through to next year. Yeah, there were a couple of crashes. Um, and it's a couple IndyCar. Of them certainly were, were Oliver's fault. Mm. Yeah, because you know, at that level, when you push you that hard, you're going to make mistakes. You made one at the Indianapolis road course uh, coming out onto the front straight, and uh, that was a big, yeah. a big, big shunt that uh, cost a lot of money. And that was that was definitely his fault, no question about it. The one he had during a race, which brought about the concussion that caused him to miss those couple of races 
uh, at, uh, at Mid Ohio toward the end of the year. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was his fault. His fault insofar as he was the one who was driving the car and was kind of goaded into the fact that uh, Pagano, who was just ahead of him, and a couple of other guys pulled out a line for the restart coming out of turn three. It was a restart that the accident happened on, mm. uh, and they they kind of pulled out a line to get a jump on the rest of the field. Uh, he did the same. Uh, but unfortunately, they then slammed on the brakes. He had nowhere to go and had a huge shunt uh, yes. uh, against the inside wall. Yes, remember. Um, and then he, he, for the next couple of races, he was driving. He was driving hurt. Yeah. Uh, and tried to put a brave face on it, which probably wasn't the best uh, best idea. But even at the following races at Worldwide Technology Raceway, aka Gateway, uh, he was running pretty pretty well. Um, so yeah, you know, just a, a disappointing end to what might be. Uh, certainly a short IndyCar career for the, for the time being, but uh, he, there's no question he has the talent to impress much more at this level. I share, I mean, you've got to say, for a rookie to have three top ten finishes, of which there's a there's you know two in the top five, one of which is in the top three, in, in your first year in the championship, with so little experience behind you, it's not... You know, as if he's if he's a rookie in name only because he's been doing, you know, F2 over in Europe or something like that. This is, you know, this is his fourth season of car racing. I, I thought he did a good job. He did a fantastic job, particularly when you think back to that first Grand Prix uh, when all of a sudden he's inside the top five. He's mm-hmm. in the fast six mm-hmm. in his second ever qualifying attempt. Uh, he yeah. got the podium at the Oval, bouncing back after the DNF at Road America in that second race. The kid is so impressive. And, and I I don't say kid in a derogatory manner. No, no, I no, no. Showing his lack of experience. He He's barely been in racing, and he's already impressing even people. Uh, Sam Schmidt, as Jeremy said. Um, you've got so many allies on your side when you're that good. And yeah, I, I am sad that he's not going to be back in an IndyCar next year because he deserves to be. Uh, is there is there an element here, Jeremy, of, of the fact, and is it the sign of the times, that you know here he is, as I said, in his fourth year of car racing. He's actually done a pretty good job. Um, but the, the requirement now for success... In any sport, I, I think of football management, soccer management here in the UK, you don't get the time that you used to do. Uh, and this, again, it's his, it's his first season. There's bound to be an element of, of naivety and learning as well. But, but he, you know, is there that much pressure going on? That would seem to be the, the answer to this conundrum. Yeah, there, there always is. Yeah, there's always pressure to succeed, you know, at, at this, at the, particularly at this level. Uh, and there's always other drivers that are going to be saying, well, you know, I can do a better job than he does. But, <laughs> but look, just, I, I'm just going to go back to St. Petersburg, that final race of the year. He'd missed the two re- previous races. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, it, wasn't, it wasn't Mid-Ohio missed. He was, uh, it was the, it was the two GP. races at uh, the Harvest GP yeah. Yeah, in Indianapolis. Yeah. So he came back into the, into the seat for St. Pete. Uh, you know, he has been to St. Pete in the junior formula. Uh, and done well there, but he qualified tenth yep. uh, on his on his return there. Uh, yeah, P- Pado was uh, three or four places ahead of him in six, but uh, Oliver ran really well all the way through that race. He was he was caught up in somebody else's instance in the later stages yeah, where he could four. easily yeah. have had a top five finish there, and um, so so yes, but you know there is always going to be pressure, and you you do have to to 
to succeed or at least show you have the tools to succeed, which I would have thought he did. But uh, like I say, the uh, the Arrow people didn't. So they, they've given that ride instead to uh, Felix Rosengris. But you know, it's great to see your know, sponsors here. I mean, that was a paid ride for Oliver. He didn't have to find the money to do so. He doesn't mm. come from wealthy background. He doesn't have you know, lots of uh, people behind him with, with a lot of sponsorship dollars, but he does have a lot of supporters and made a, a lot more during this difficult year. Totally, totally agree. Uh, let's move up the table one position where we will find uh, in P... Uh, where were we? P18, Charlie Kimball. He did the full season for AJ Foyt racing in uh, in the number four car uh, with a uh, best results. I got two top tens this year, and his best result on the year, I think, was St. Pete's eighth position, Jeremy. Uh, Charlie Kimball uh, with the Chevy powered number four. Yeah, and all of the drivers from here on up the table completed the, the full, entire season. Full fourteen, yeah, uh, yeah, full full fourteen races. Uh, so yeah, he was at the uh, the back. Well, uh, other than Mark Andretti, who was w- way behind him in the points, mm. uh, forty odd points behind uh, Charlie at the end of the season. Yeah, tr- tough year for Charlie, um, driving of course uh, uh, for the for the end for the uh, um, AJ Foyt guys. AJ Foyt team, yeah, which yeah. is you know, just it's just been a struggle for them uh, lately, and you know generally qualified uh, towards the back, uh, often race well, uh, but uh, you know, didn't really have much to show for it. So disappointing year for Charlie Kimball. Uh, He's better than that. Yeah, I, 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 he finished a good. I mean, he, he he, I think he finished all of the races, Shay, didn't he? And I'm looking at his his total laps of eighteen. Uh, 89. I think it was only about 1900, so he, he might have been lapsed down, but he was running at the end of, of all of the 14 races the, the full season. Yeah, correct. Uh, lost a few laps at Iowa across those two races, lost a lap at Texas, lost a lap mm. at Mid-Ohio, uh, the second Indy race, but other than that, very consistent, no DNFs, um, brought the car home in one piece, pretty much all you can ask for um no podiums no top fives but you know charlie did what he was supposed to do and any advertised for a sponsor that's the name of the game uh jeremy has him down as a dnf at texas and i um i'm i'm looking here it says he finished yes yeah, right right at the end uh he went out of that race i think okay I've got it. I've got him listed as running here in eleventh position, which uh, was his. I think his second. Yeah, he, uh, third he was, yeah true. Yeah, he, he was. He was running. He was. He was classified eleventh, but I think he didn't. Uh, right, and, and he was one lap short as well. Actually, he only did one hundred ninety nine, and it was a two hundred lap race from, from memory. Uh, we hope for more for for Charlie. Uh, Kimball uh, next year. Uh, moving up now to the man who drove for every single team uh, in the championship, <laughs> it seemed this year. I hope he, he does like, we're talking about Connor Daly, uh, and I hope he does like uh, Dario always used to do, Dario Franchitti, always, and I, I've uh, learned from Dario from this, he always had a rider in his con contract that said uh, you get your overalls from whoever you, you drive from well Connor Daly will will need quite a big Shea Adam and Jeremy Shaw will need quite a big uh, cupboard to put them all in Connor Daly uh, listed in terms of uh, the the championship standings as Ed Cartman to racing in the number 20 
Sorry, was that, I, was, I was just looking at, looking at what happened to Charlie Kimball. <laughs> he, he actually crashed on the final lap. All ah, right, OK, right, thank you. Um, uh, incident on the final lap, the, the race just actually finished under yellow. Uh, uh, but sorry, what was the question? Uh, Connor Daly, uh, number 20, Ed Carpenter right. Racing, Chevrolet. Um, full-time well, since yes. for the first time this year. He's, been, he's, he's done a well, few bits of seasons, hasn't he? No, it, well, it wasn't. It, it, was, it was two half-season rides. Is what it well, was. yes, it did. He, he got all the races, but not, not all, all with the same, not all with the same <laughs> team, as I alluded to earlier. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, His standout weekend, of course, was at, was at Iowa, where he qualified on pole position for one of the races, qualified third for the mm. second one, led both of them. Um, unfortunately, his best finish to the, those two was an eighth. But, uh, you know, for somebody stepping in to the team, that was just his, you know, Iowa was his second appearance of the year for that team. He did, did yes. the, the opener at Texas and then to, then to Iowa after the road course races at Indianapolis and then a couple at Road America. You know, you have to say that Connor did a really good job yep. under difficult circumstances. So, uh, you know, he, uh, again, is another one who deserves a full-time ride at this level. Yeah, totally agree. Shit, uh, we've, we've spoken about Ed Carpenter. So he did the, the road and street courses with Ed Carpenter. He did the ovals that Ed was doing for Ed Carpenter Racing. He did the ovals with Carlin. And, you know, you've got to have a bit of uh, something about you if you're jumping in between teams uh, on uh, in two very different character of, of racetracks. You know, you, you've got to build what I think has worked well for Connor and knowing Connor as we all do, I can understand why this is. You've got to build those relationships within the team very, very quickly. And I can imagine that that was a, a strength for him this year. Yeah. And, and trying to remember who's talking to you on the radio, whose names are you supposed to say <laughs> to good. good morning to the crew guys. <laughs> very um, good. I'd be no good <laughs> at that. <laughs> No, no. And, and I mean, the worst thing of all, imagine you're out there on track and you don't remember whose pit box you're supposed to come to. What number yes, are you driving this yes, weekend? For yes. Connor, this had to be both a dream and a nightmare situation. But that that pole position that Jeremy mentioned at Iowa, the response of Connor Daly, because, of course, it was single call qualifying. You were waiting to see if anyone would beat your time. And when the final car went out on track and it was Connor's pole position, I swear he was about six foot ten jumping <laughs> in the air and celebrating. Um, it was just one of those things that will set Connor Daly up for the next couple of years to try and strive to get back to that position. And he did lead laps this year. He did yeah. get that box ticked. So for Connor Daly, yeah, super impressive 2020. I, I'd like to hope that he gets a, a, a proper dash at the, the championship again uh, next year. Uh, he's certainly got the talent and he's proved um, time and time again uh, that he's got that 17th then for Connor Daly, 237 points, one point behind the man who was the Super Formula Rookie of the Year, finishing third in the championship in 2019 and jumped into IndyCar with help from Casamichi Goat, Team Goat and Deal Coin Racing. Alex Palu, the Spanish driver in the 55. Jeremy Shaw, another rookie who actually quite impressive, finished third and seventh at Road America. Those were his two best races of the season, but I, I thought Alex learned quickly and and matured quickly. Built again, built the relationship with the team. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, very, very impressive. Uh, it was very much an up and down season for Alex Palou, uh, as you would expect. I mean, absolutely zero oval experience, of course, coming into this year. Um, and I, I thought that IndyCar had instituted a, a kind of, if, if not a written rule, at least a sort of unwritten rule yes. a couple of years ago where drivers who hadn't yet pre raced on the ovals needed to go through Indy lights. Um, that was waived for Alex Palou. Um, I think he would have benefited from doing a season of Indy Lights, uh, but uh, still, you yeah, know, he, he, had, he had several very good performances, qualified third at Road America, uh, qualified fourth at, uh, at Mid-Ohio and at the second Indy GP race. So, you know, very impressive. Good speed there. Uh, just not much went his way, to be perfectly honest. He had a lot of bad luck during the year, but uh, a lot of problems. Everybody, a lot of people were talking about Alex Ballou. I have been talking about Alex Ballou for a couple of years. Um to be honest, if you look back through his career, uh, you, you kind of wonder why, uh, because he hasn't really achieved an awful lot. But uh, he uh, he certainly has he certainly has ability. He, he's kind of a kind of different career path to to most Very other much. drivers. Uh, but he has shown the speed, uh, great attitude as well. And I think was a good addition to that team. And he's got a fantastic opportunity as a result of that for the for 2021. Yeah, I think I think that third place in the Super Formula in 19 was was what started the the, the the additional hype about him that is that is very well regarded particularly in asia uh, that that championship um and there's there's some decent drivers in that and there's there's good money to be had uh, in that as well um let's move further up the field to 15th position uh, some 50 points better off than alex we find jack harvey the Brit in the number 60 MSR Honda. And ooh, what did he get this year? Four top tens and a top five. Shea Adam, Jack Harvey in the Auckland Nation Sirius car. The long-awaited season. The mm. first full season for Meyer Shank Racing and IndyCar. Uh, we had Jack Harvey for all the races. The results don't tally with what we saw on track because the qualifying performances... Uh, particularly the Indy Grand Prix uh, back at the beginning of the year. Road America was another strong one. He was in the top five a couple more times throughout the course of the year. Led laps, uh, led at the Indy GP. A couple of bad pit stops or bad timing of pit stops, I should say, really took Jack Harvey out of the running for those podium positions and those wins. I think once that they get things straightened out a little bit more, that will help the team as a whole. Yeah. But I don't know if a second car will help Jack Harvey as much <laughs> as Jack Harvey will help a second car. Oh, that's a very good point. Did 10 races with MSR last year, Jeremy, uh, in the fast six, um, more times than not, it seemed this year. What did he get? Six or, or seven times in the top six. And, you know, that, that team, uh, Michael Shank and, and his his group working really hard, a fulfilment of a dream for them as well to do the, the, the full season. Um, Jack, building his experience, did he do enough for you this year? Oh, very much so, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he's, uh, he's extremely talented, is, uh, is, is Jack Harvey. You know, twice finished second in the, in the Indy Lights Championship on a tiebreaker one of the years, for goodness sake. Oh, yes, um, right. So, uh, you know, he, he is enormously talented. It's great he's had his opportunity. Michael Shank has believed in him from the start. Um, as you say, you know, seven times he qualified in, in the fast end top six, 11 times in the top 10 
during during this championship, you know, 11 out of 14. So, you know, that's pretty darn impressive. He, he was one of the best qualifiers out there. Um, you know, luck was never on his side. He, he, if, if there was anybody ever going to be caught out by an ill-timed caution period in 2020, <laughs> it was going to be Jack Harvey yes. and that Maya Shank team. Yeah, I can't remember the amount of times I was sitting there. Oh, I don't believe that. No, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Uh, Renus VK is next, Jeremy. He is our rookie of the year. Uh, the Netherlands driver, the Dutch driver for Ed Carpenter Racing in the 21 uh, Jumbo Supermarkets uh, sponsored car finishes 14th with 289 points. Uh, so uh, pretty pretty tight uh, in that area. Um, Santino Ferrucci is only another point uh, further up, and uh, and then Marcus Ericsson another point further up from that. Pretty congested here. He he could easily be knocking on the door of the top ten in the championship, but with uh, a couple of pulls, uh, uh, sorry, a pull position. Uh, and a top three finish uh, as well at uh, Indy the second time around, the Harvest GP, uh, and five top tens. You've got to say, after what was a bit of an inauspicious start at Texas, when he finished down the field and looked very much a rookie, he actually put together a very good season indeed. Fast learner. Yeah, yeah indeed. And, uh, you know, he... he, he uh... Qualifying, uh, he, he certainly needs to work on other, of course, than that brilliant pole uh, at Indianapolis. The second race in Indianapolis the following day, he qualified 14th, mm. which is kind of more indicative of his year. You know, other than other than that pole position, uh, he was fourth on the grid in Indianapolis. Uh, Ed Carpenter always has great cars in Indy, so he yeah. took full advantage there. But other than that, he, he only twice did he qualify in the top 10. So, um, you know, but, but, you know, he is, he is a star in the making. No question about it. It is Renus. Uh, he, like Oliver Askew, shone all the way through the, the, the junior levels. They were neck and neck all the way through it. Uh, Oliver won, beat, uh, beat uh, uh, Renus to the championship in USF 2000 in their first year. Uh, it was situation reversed in Indy Pro the following year. And then in Indy Lights uh, in 2019, again, it, it was uh, Askew narrowly ahead of VK. So these two are both hugely talented. And we're going to be hearing a lot, lot more of Renus VK in the years ahead. And credit should go also, Shay, to Fritz von Erd, who is Jumbo Supermarkets. He races himself still uh, at a pretty high level in, in sports cars uh, in in Europe and WEC uh, events. He has consistently backed uh, Dutch talent coming through. Uh, you look at Max Verstappen, he wouldn't be where he was uh, without Fritz as well. And it looks like he's, he's on to another winner here with, with Renus Vika. For sure, and, and the Yumbo brand proudly displayed across Renus's helmet and uh, chest on the fire suit mm-hmm. tells you who's got his back, who who knows that this kid is something good for the future. And speaking of something good for the future, if you think back of any battling over the course of the IndyCar season, <laughs> that Harvest Grand Prix, VK versus Herta, oh, and yeah. everybody was sitting there with the big bucket of popcorn going, yep, this for the next 10 years? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm in. No, totally, totally agree. Uh, let's move up as we continue to look at the NTT IndyCar Series for 2020. Well inside the top 15 now, Santi Ferrucci, Santino Ferrucci, as I said, just a, a point further uh, up there at seven, uh, sorry, uh, five top tens uh, this year and a top five. Uh, racing with Honda Power for Dale Coin Racing uh, and Vassa Sullivan, 
best finish. Uh, a fourth position, and if you're going to be fourth, it's not the worst place to be fourth at the Indianapolis 500. Shea Adam, Santi Ferrucci. It was an interesting season for uh, Santi. He was much more um, on the back burner than he had been in his rookie season, I, I think it's fair to say. He wasn't causing as much controversy as he did in his first year. You can certainly say say that again, Jeremy. It was a quieter year for that, but only two. Oh, sorry, Shay, go ahead. Lost uh, you there for a mid moment. Mid-Ohio? Was it the... I think it was mid-Ohio where Santi had his most impressive uh, qualifying Correct. performance on the air. Led a couple of laps, did kept his head down. Um, we need more of that from Santino Ferrucci before we'll be able to consider him in the run for any sort of top 10 in the championship. Um, he uh, obviously made his name uh, oh. as a development driver for, for Haas uh, for a couple of years from 2016. Qualifying was his issue this year, Jeremy. Well, his issue... On, on the track and behind behind the wheel. Let's put aside anything else and any preconceived conceptions that anybody might have about uh, Santino. But, but only twice inside the Firestone Fast 6. And, you know, if you're going to get good results, you really need to show speed early in the weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah he, he, was, um, he was among the top 10 up until the final couple of races, mm. uh, in fact, and just slipped uh, back to 13th at the end there. And just talking about, you, you just alluded to how close it was in the points there. If Jack Harvey had managed to find three more points, he'd him up from 15th to 12th. Yeah. Um, which, and, and as I say, and, and, and Renus, uh, excuse me, uh, Santino, within the top 10 in the points until the last couple of races. So, you know, it was, it was super tight in there. Um, you know, he, he's he's had this opportunity because he's found the money. Same, that's why he was the test driver at, at Haas. Mm-hmm. Uh, never really did anything in his junior career. Um, he, he, might have won, he, he might have won an F2 race, a reverse grid race in F2. So I'm, and, but, but, but other than that, never really done a whole heck of a lot. But you know, he's he's the darling of uh, of some of the media, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, you know, gets get great get, get great coverage there. Uh, as is uh, is very ballsy on the. Uh, on, on, on the restarts and restarts, no question about that. He's, he's very forceful. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, that's, that's kind of got him in trouble several times as well. So that you've got to sort of balance it. That's one of the things about IndyCar. Uh, you've got to kind of balance out that aggression if you're not going to uh, get yourself in, in hot water. Uh, but uh, certainly it was, it was a good, strong year from him, for him. Yeah, he had a, uh, 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 yeah, well, yeah, I say a good, strong year. It was a, it was a solid year for him. But, um, you know, the, the jury's out on, on really how good he, he is uh, in the ultimate uh, end of end of the game. Uh, hopefully, his management's got hold of him a bit and calmed him down this year. Where it was oh, was that told, would be dad. Uh, right. Okay. Well, in that case, he's he's probably done a better job this year than in than in previous years. You're right. Certainly, the TV coverage, um, the guys in the booth in particular, don't seem to think he can do uh, any any wrong. Not not certain why that should be be the case uh, a quiet a quiet year perhaps not the worst thing for Santi Ferrucci who finishes 13th in the points uh, just a single mark behind 12th which was Marcus Eriksson the former Sauber Formula One driver uh, completed his uh, first season with Husky Chocolate Chip Ganassi Racing oh, I do like saying that uh, in the number 8 Honda uh, and uh, top three and three top tens led 
um, sorry, a nine top tens, uh, three top fives, led three races this year. Marcus Eriksson clearly has the pace share, but he's another driver who didn't feature in the Firestone Fast Six. Uh, rather, uh, I would think rather enough for his liking and the team's liking. Just the one time uh, on an oval, surprisingly, for Marcus Eriksson with the Formula One background, as you rightly said, Expected a lot more with this marriage with Chip Ganassi Racing from Marcus Erickson. And in year one, just didn't deliver. He was the only one of their drivers who didn't come away with a race win, which was surprising. No podium even for Marcus. But the thing that really surprised me was the number eight crew was made up a lot of the 4GT crew, mm. the, the cast off from the IMSA program. So I thought that there would be a lot more success, particularly with that car, with that driver. The results just didn't come. Only four laps led over the course of the season and he didn't finish the Indy 500, which was the biggest one of them all where he was looking strong. So a very disappointing season for Marcus. Clearly can race though, Jeremy, that lack of qualifying performance. uh, He always had to make up for that. And and generally speaking, he did make, make up positions, but I I think both Marcus himself, who I've spoken to on a a few occasions and certainly the team uh, will have hoped for more from 2020. Yeah, very much so. It's strange, really, because uh, you expect you certainly expected to see a lot more of him. He had a good, you know, pretty solid uh, rookie campaign, uh, but kind of the second season blues here for for mm. Marcus. He just didn't shine through in the way that uh, everybody ha- had expected. Um, and you know, hard hard to know why, to be honest, uh, except the fact it is a super competitive field yeah. and. And uh, yeah, one would have thought he would be good, you know, good at getting the most out of the tyres, having raced in Formula One for uh, for such a long time. But uh, for some reason, it just didn't work out for for Marcus this season. And uh, yeah, we'll see what uh, what comes in the future. But he certainly has he certainly has a lot of ability, and we haven't yet seen, I think, the best. Marcus Ericsson. 15 points better off. Uh, his teammate at Chip Ganassi Racing and another one of the Scandinavians in the NTT IndyCar Championship. Last year's Rookie of the Year, Jeremy Felix Rosenquist. Uh, this year, um, actually not as good season as I think you would have said not as good season as his, as his rookie year in 2019. No, again, you know, the, the, the Ganassi team, because particularly the, the, the two Swedes, definitely struggled in qualifying. I mean, only once in the top, Firestone top six, that was a mid-Ohio, a race two at mid-Ohio for Felix. Not one would, what one would have expected at all. And very strange for me, after the season he's had, that it would be him that has been picked to uh, to drive that second uh, McLaren uh, Aaron McLaren Schmidt Peterson car for 2021 because this year was uh, massively disappointing for uh, for Felix. You know he, he he led a few races but um, you know he, he, he was did get know, the race win at Road America, didn't America, he? Course, yeah. yeah. Other than that, of course, where he also set fastest lap mm. uh, on, on, in, in, to winning the race, but you know he only had led eight, eight laps there. Pano Award was the dominant um, car in that race, ironically because yeah. they're going to be teammates next year. Uh, but, uh, you know, aside from that, you know, it, it wasn't a standout year for Felix Rosenquist. Yeah, I, I wonder if he's got that drive based on what they'd seen in his rookie year. And, and I don't know. I mean, we, we don't know. We can only only speculate. But he did make a big splash when he came in um, last year, won the Rookie of the Year title. Um, 
finishing 11th. That one win, absolutely the highlight, as, as Jeremy mentioned. Into the top 10, just another nine points better off for Andretti Autosports. Ryan Hunter here in the yellow and red of DHL. RHR, Shea Adam, uh, seven top 10s uh, for him this year. Four top fives and a single podium finish. RHR. Two DNFs on the air. Um, the best thing for Ryan Hunter Ray this year was the win at the Sebring 12 hour. Um, ironically, <laughs> came in a sports car. But for Ryan, he's always there or thereabouts. He's always competitive. But in IndyCar, it just doesn't seem to add up enough for him. He gets one win a year ish. Hmm. Um, but it, it, I'm very frustrated with his lack of results because Ryan Hunter Ray is a driver who should be getting the results that we are going to talk about from the drivers further up the grid and although this year was heavily slanted win column wise by two drivers you just feel like Hunter Ray one podium in the IndyCar season that's not enough and it, it would be enough for other drivers but not for him. Jeremy, you've got to go back to 2018 at Sonoma for his his last pole and his last win. Um, frustrating, yeah, for for Ryan. He, he holds himself to a very high standard, of course, and and all of these drivers have to be realistic. But I I would have thought with a couple of performances this year, if the dice had fallen slightly differently, he might have might have got a win on a couple of occasions. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely right. So yeah, he's. Uh... Again, didn't didn't have much good fortune, but look, the Andretti team really struggled in qualifying. You look at his qualifying performance; talked about it not being particularly good. Although he was six times in the top uh, in the top six, top three rows of the grid. Uh, but you know, he and Alexander Rossi, uh, we can kind of lump those together, particularly as he's only one point ahead of Hunter Ray in the points, just yeah. two points ahead of him in the final standings. Um, and if you look at their qualifying, you know, Ryan was behind by only an average of point one of a Oof. position. So wow. you know, it was uh, it was a tough year for and- for for Andretti for the most part, uh, with the sole, sole exception of one car, which we'll talk about in a little while. Mm. Um, so yeah, difficult difficult for Ryan, and you know, very disappointing for him. He certainly would have expected more during the year, but again, he's one of those guys that just you know, if, if anything can go wrong, it seems to, and it's it's hard to know why. And we've been saying that now for several years, so I think you know the clock is probably ticking for Ryan, but as he showed. At Petit Le Mans, he is still hugely talented. Yeah, and very versatile, and and I think that that'll get him, that'll get him a long way. Very, we've mentioned this a couple of times now, but very odd season for Andretti Autosport. Sheer, uh, we wondered, didn't we, if they'd maybe bitten off a, a little bit too much at the start of the season. Uh, Rossi, the man that many people in the paddock love to hate, he is, you know, he is the villain of the piece many times. It's good column inches as well, or what, whatever passes for column inches uh, nowadays. Clicks, I suppose. Um, one place further up in the championship with seven top tens, uh, at half at five of those being uh, on the podium, but no, uh, no wins uh, this year. The Napa yeah. Auto Nation driver. Uh, in the famous number 27. What did you make of Rossi this year? Uh, The remarkable stat for Alexander Rossi, this was his first ever season in IndyCar where he didn't score a win. Oh, wow. Um, Good point. Yeah, which because he won in his his rookie year with the Indy 500, the 100th running of the Indy 500. Um, The car let him down at the Indianapolis Grand Prix. That was one where 
he didn't qualify particularly well. He was probably going to move further up uh, due to uh, the, uh, ironically, the pit calls that caught out uh, Jack Harvey and the Meyer Shank crew. Mm. But uh, didn't they was- not even get started? In one of the races at Worldwide Technology, he was part of that accident. And then he started from pit lane somewhere else as well, didn't he? Yep, yep. And that's what I was going to get to. Um, Sorry. The... Uh, no, no, no. I it completely... seems such a long time ago because, the, you know, they finished their season quite early. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what I was I was going to say. And thank you for leading me there. Uh, this, the laps completed on Alexander Rossi's total are about 400, well, 300 and change short of the total from everybody else because there were zero laps completed. He didn't even make it to the start line for the Worldwide Technology Raceway number one, where there was that great um, video clip of him walking down the pit lane looking for someone to yell at, and he couldn't actually (laughs) find anyone um, because everyone else was still out on track. But yeah, very weird season for Alexander Rossi. It's somebody who's been up in the top three of the driver's standings for the last couple of seasons to finish down in ninth 2020, a year that he'll want to forget. Um, But he did finish off better than he started with the four out of the last five races ending in trophies. Uh, A chastening season for for Rossi might not do him, uh, you know, longer term, Jeremy. Every driver wants to do as best as he can in every race, every qualifying session, every race, every lap and and every every season. Um, but a, but a slightly chastening year might not do him and his mindset uh, might not do do badly for him because he, he he is I, I know I know all race drivers have to be tremendously uh, focused not to say sometimes arrogant um, he's made that an art form in the last few years and, and almost likes the fact that he's he's painted as the the villain of the the piece it seems to me yeah you certainly. Uh... Yeah, I think he's becoming more widely, certainly a lot more widely respected among the paddock than he was when he first started out here. Mm. Uh, but it was very right. much a chastening year. Uh, and as Shay said there, you know, it, but he did end up really, really strong. I mean, the first part of the year was absolutely dismal. Just the one podium at Road, Road America. Uh, and that was really the only result of strategic decisions falling his way because he'd qualified back in the 10th position even for that race. Uh, but uh, in addition to those four podiums at the end of the year, he was also on the front row at St. Pete and was looking good there until it all went pear-shaped for him so yeah, he certainly there, came anyway. came on strong yeah it came on strong yeah he led led uh you know uh three-fourths of the race mm. there or three-fifths of the race there but he um you know he came on strong at the end uh it was an interesting tussle between him, himself and colton herter in terms of supremacy in that team you look at the points and it's no comparison but certainly towards the end of the year uh rossi got his kind of mojo back and was uh was was challenging where he where he should be and where he thinks he should be, but you're right, it was a chastening year. It's going to be interesting. He certainly didn't didn't seem to have a particularly good attitude uh, whenever he's re- whenever he was interviewed when something <laughs> went wrong. Uh, but uh, you know that's that's you know that's one of the things that a lot of people like about him. The fact that you know he's he's feisty. He doesn't like to lose. Oh, you learned how to lose this year. That's well, for sure. that that's true. It's a mark of of what Jeremy and she have been saying about one of the super teams, Andretti Autosport, that we've talked already about quite a lot of their drivers. Uh, also, at the other end of the scale, it's a mark that Simon Pagenaud, uh, in eighth position, is the first team Penske driver that we've talked about. The number 22 Chevrolet, driven by the affable uh, Frenchman, who added one victory to his NTT IndyCar Series uh, numbers this year. 
for a total of 15. Now, it seems a long time ago, Jeremy, that Simon was the uh, Rookie of the Year back in 2012, won the championship, what, four years ago now? Often thought of before then as a, a sort of very reliable super sub who would pop up and do various bits and pieces of championships. He's he's uh, established himself now. Um, how do you how do you rate Simon's season in twenty twenty? Well, by his and Tim Penske's standards, pretty dismal, quite frankly. I mean, he started off well well enough. Uh, yeah, qualified third, finished second at Texas. Uh, finished third at the IndyGP race round two, having started 20th. Yeah, that was a great drive. That kind of set the tone. It was just, you know, he really struggled particularly in qualifying. Uh, uh, during the year, just twice in the in the top six on the grid. That's not good enough for someone uh, of, of, his, of his stature and for that team. You know, P- you know, Penske has dominated the series in terms of laps led. Every year uh, since uh, 2013, Team Penske has led the most laps during the during the, during the whole season, uh, and yeah, Rossi, you know, he, he led a total of 97 laps this this year, but 83 of those were in that one race at Iowa that he won. Mm. Um, he only led the, the only other race he, he he led was in Indianapolis. That was it. So yeah, very disappointing year for Simon Pagano. He he will need to do a lot better in 2021 if he's going to keep that ride at T. Penske. Well, and I was going to say that, that's a great point that that Jeremy makes. Uh, You never want to be the worst uh, driver in terms of your finishing position, whether it's in a qualifying session, a race, or indeed the championship in any team, but particularly not when it's Team Penske and and you've got the the sort of teammates that that Simon has. He'll he'll be feeling the pressure at the end of the season now and want want to get back on the horse pretty quickly and, and make sure he's galloping rather than just at the very nice uh, sitting trot. Yeah, particularly with that Aussie kid, or the Kiwi kid breathing down his neck, should say. Uh, the Aussie kid is is the one that we'll talk about here in a few positions, who's not really a kid too much anymore. But for Team Penske, they now have two drivers around the age of 30. They've got two drivers well north of the age of 30. And those two other drivers are the ones who are going to be watching their backs a little bit for these young kids. Simon ironically in 2020 it all went bad at the indianapolis motor speedway Mm. when uh he came back to the site one well i would say one year on but this is 2020 and it was one year and a couple months from his big victory so he's got to figure something out yeah absolutely agree um if we're talking about indianapolis then the indianapolis 500 this year was uh, a, a race to uh, remember with the front of the field scott dixon battling with our next uh driver on the list takuma sato in the number 30 honda powered rear hall letterman lanigan racing car takuma uh, Jeremy taking uh, the victory there, uh, which uh, was his one win of the year. But frankly, if you're only going to win one IndyCar race, make it the biggest one. Uh, finishes up in seventh position uh, in the championship. Added eight more top ten finishes as well. Two Indy 500 wins uh, to the Panasonic uh, supported driver now on his CV. Yeah, thank goodness. Because other than that, it was pretty, pretty uh, it was disappointing lean, year. Lean. For, you know, otherwise, a very di- di- disappointing year. I mean, if you take away that, um, if you just give regular points 
for the Indy 500, he would have been well outside the yeah. top 10 in points at the end of the year. So, you know, that skewed things very much in his favour. Of course, he didn't start well. He was one of a couple of drivers who was left on the grid at Texas. He, he didn't actually even, even start the race at Texas. He never got going. Ross at least did get going mm. in that race, but uh, Taco, I don't think, ever did. So, uh, you know, that, that didn't start the year off on the, on the right foot. He, he always raced well. You know, he's... Uh, yeah, he, he's a feisty, feisty guy. You wouldn't, you, you wouldn't think uh, that he's uh, been around such a long time as he is. But you know, on the pole, also at uh, at uh, Gateway uh, for the uh, second race there, led most of the laps as well. So yeah, it was a, it was a respectable year. He was third in terms of laps led during the year. Wow. Uh, that's of course helped by his by his indie indie his oval form because there's always more laps uh, led on the uh, on Good the point. ovals there's more laps on the ovals of course than there are on the road courses so the vast majority of his uh, laps led were uh, on the ovals but still you know it was a uh, it was again an up and down year for taku seventh in the points you know, you you've got to look at it as, as, as being pretty respectable particularly with that win in indianapolis you know that crowns everything else in this championship so really you have to say it was a great year for taku if you win indianapolis it's a great year yeah of course it is <laughs> and he had a good middle part of the season after indianapolis because he had that great battle to second at the first of the gateway races he was on pole for the second one although ultimately finished ninth share but he does seem to be one of those drivers um, that, you know, he has a good following. He's got a huge following back in his home country, of course, and him winning the 500 was massive again. Just a lack of consistency, it seemed to me, this year. Well, yeah, and that that's Takuma Sato in a nutshell. Um, he's always been super fast, super aggressive, but it's just never been every weekend that he's super fast. He's always super aggressive. Um, I seem to remember St. Petersburg. Um, weren't there four or five cars that he ultimately had contact with during the course of that yes. race? He, he finished the race on the lead lap, should be said. But Askew wound up in the tire barrier because of him. I think there was contract with Andretti that wound up with Marco in the tires. Um, it just, yeah, it's a great year because he won the Indy 500. Other than that, as Jeremy said, for Takuma Sato, he would be expecting a little bit more than just two podiums. Good news for him, that one very, very, very big podium resulted in a very, very big trophy and a very, very big celebration. And a very, very big check as well. Yeah. You're listening to the NTT IndyCar Series review on the Radio Show Limited Network of Channel Shea Adam and Jeremy Shaw with me, uh, John Hindorf. We're inside the top six now, and at six is uh, another Rahal Letterman Lanigan driver, teammate to... Uh, to Taku, uh, that is Graham Rahal uh, with the United Rentals number 15 Honda. Um, I've just looked this up. I, I can't believe that Graham started back in 2007 in the championship, <laughs> Jeremy. It seems like yesterday when we're talking about the tall fella, and he's a tall fella, over six feet, six foot two, uh, and... Uh, again, th- th- you know, this year with nine, so, you know, nine top tens, uh, half of those in the top five, no wins this year, no poles this year. Back, best qualifying uh, at Indianapolis on the road circuits the first time around of a, a second, a best finish rather of a second, uh, best qualifying. I, I don't think, oh, yes, he was. He was in the top four a couple of times. Um I, again, what do you say about Graham? It's you know, it's it's you don't like to say anything bad about the, these these guys, but I, 
I suppose if you finish in the top six in the championship, you're up, you're doing okay. Okay, is okay enough? Well, that's right. I mean, he was ahead of his teammate. That's always the first, yes, uh, the first thing you want to look at. Good so, point. you know, the, the, the team once again struggled, uh, I think, a little bit in qualifying. Uh, they, again, it was it was really more just the consistency that they struggled with. But, you know, Graham had a better season than Taku by quite a long way, other than that big win in Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, once again, you know, he, he's, a, he's a regular top 10 runner, but Graham... Yeah, he, he works himself hard. Uh, his dad pushes him hard. He, he knows he's capable of doing much more than that. Um, and again, we kind of say that every year. But again, as you say there, top six in the points, not to be sniffed at. And he did finish third share at Indianapolis. So, I mean, it was a good uh, Indianapolis for uh, Rahal Letterman Lanigan. Uh, Piers Phillips looking after uh, the the competition side there with Bobby Rahal. So, you know, we know a lot of people in in that team. Um, do you think they'll be happy with uh, their, their championship this year? Sixth and seventh position. Uh, Graham with, what, 30 points or so on, on Taku. Yes, and it it started out terrible. Um, the <laughs> and no, that that's perfectly honest because that Texas race where Jeremy said Taft never even got started. Graham had the the similar issue too um, fairly early on in the race, amount of finishing seventeenth, two laps down. To come back from that, Graham got five podiums on the season. They got the Indy five hundred win and a third place finish. Those is you rightly say two big checks. Um, they got the Daytona 24 win, too, for the GTLM category the second year in a row. Team mm. uh, RLL as a whole, Pierce Phillips, Bobby Rahal, I doff my cap to you guys. You won every big race that you could have this year, and uh, congrats on that. That is actually a, that's actually a very, very fair point. Very fair point indeed. Uncertain future for those guys uh, in uh, terms of the sports car side of things, but uh, no doubt we'll see them. Uh, back in uh, NTT IndyCar uh, for 2021. Uh, uh, next, we move up into fifth position. Uh, and in fifth position uh, this year uh, is the Aussie, of which uh, Shea was speaking earlier on, uh, the man from uh, Toowoomba and now living in North Carolina, of course, at Charlotte. That is Will Power for Team Penske. Uh Jeremy, you can have first first go on on Will for this year. A couple of wins uh, made it a much better season than it looked like it was going to be at one stage. Uh, true. I mean, you, if you look at qualifying, he came out on top. If, if points were awarded in, in, in qualifying, Will Power would have been champion this season. Yeah. Um, he had he had four poles on the year uh, as well. Three, four, five only poles twice on the year. he wasn't in. No, three times. Only three times he wasn't in in the fast six. And one of those uh, was yes. Indianapolis, actually, yeah. which, which is a bit different. Wow, that is that is yeah. you're right. That is a stunning. That's a yeah. stunning qualifying performance. Yeah, I mean, he he just just edged Joseph Newgarden on that day. But if you, if you add up the the, the uh, their grid positions through the year, uh, he was two ahead of Joseph. Two positions. That's it over the course of fourteen races. So it's super tight between those two. Um, but again, you know, once again, a mercurial year for Will Power because you know he, he was he was always fast, um, but things just seemed to go wrong. He made a few mistakes, no question about that. So he was he's always super hard on himself, and uh, when he did make those mistakes, he was 
beside himself. He certainly should have been challenging for the championship during the year, uh, but you know he just didn't start out well enough for him. He was always on the back foot. You know, after the first couple of races, he was uh, 70 or 80 points behind Scott Dixon. Um, and if you take out those first uh, kind of two or three races, you know, he, 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 uh, it was a good year for him. Um, it ended up badly again, unfortunately, with a, with a DNF at, uh, at St. Pete. But uh, it was a question of what, what might have been for Will. So there were certainly plenty of highlights, but more lowlights than he would have, uh, would have anticipated. Uh, the problem in terms of the points uh, share was that if he finished well, he tended to finish very well indeed. When he didn't, he really didn't, as Jeremy was alluded to. 13th, 20th, 2nd, good. 11th, 21st, 2nd, 14th, 17th, 3rd, 1st, 7th, 6th, 1st, 24th. And, and, and that, that, I mean, sometimes the numbers don't tell the story, but actually that's absolutely the story of Will's season. It was pretty much all or nothing. He had one, two, three finishes, 20th or above. The four guys who finished ahead of him in the championship only had one yeah. finish of 20th or above between the four of them. Mm. Uh, that was the difference between willpower being able to compete for a top three in the championship and not this year. And it, as Jeremy mentioned, the qualifying performance of willpower, that's who he is. He always comes out and good. goes for the pole position. Five of them this year, that brings his total to 62 as a whole out of 235 races. Willpower doesn't have an issue with qualifying. It's the rest of it that, that seems to slow him down every now and then. Uh, yeah, listening to Shea Adam, Jeremy Shaw and me, John Heintorf, we're moving up into the first couple of rows if we're on a road course um, or the inside of row two if we're f- for the Indianapolis 500. Fourth position uh, for Arrow McLaren SP driver Pato Award, the Mexican finishing fourth in his his first full season, let's not forget. Rookie of the Year at the 500 as well. And yet, Jeremy, it could have been even better than that. Uh, yeah, true. I mean, yeah, I think he, he needs, needs to, to probably work on his qualifying. He was... Um... If you look at the, the, the qualifying average during the season, we just talked about Will Power just edging out Joseph Newgarden. Um, in third position was the the guy who finished third in the championship. We'll come to him in a moment, in a momentary, momentarily. Uh, fourth in the qualifying order was would it be Jack Harvey ahead of Alexander Rossi. Um, so you know, Pado is behind all of those guys by, by some way, but raced really, really well. I mean, the guy has a big future. Didn't manage to win a race. He was the only one of the top five that didn't win a race this year but but that's coming for Pato no question about it I mean he he should he should have won probably a couple of times during this season perhaps at Worldwide Raceway uh, Worldwide Technology Both Raceway Gateway but, and also those, yeah. Road America yeah well true yeah he, he was super fast there so yeah it was a good year good first full year for Patricio Award to finish fourth in the points can't sniff at that and he will be a contender moving forward the uh... For me, I I thought he matured very quickly. Share, you know, we talk about the um, the difficulty of of a young driver after a rookie season. This was a first full season for Pato, but as, as Jeremy mentioned, very much earlier on in the show, he he had done uh, some races in in twenty nineteen. Um, generally speaking, I thought he raced very well indeed, and there were very few races where he. He finished up worse than he'd started. Now, 
that may well be by dint of the fact that he didn't qualify too well. Uh, well, uh, the, uh, the second time around at Indy at the Harvest GP, that was one to forget for him. But but other than that, he, race day was was generally speaking a, a better day than qualifying day for battle. Yeah, race day is is definitely the one that he jumps out of bed for you can tell it's the one that that gets him uh, excited and ready to go way more than qualifying does but in terms of his maturity this year look back to the post-race interview for Pato award after road america when he in the second race led most of the laps of the race i think it was all but 10 or so mm. um he was super competitive he was hunted down by felix rosenfest who ultimately got the win in the dying laps And he was happy because he got a podium and he led and he showed his stuff. He wasn't bitter that he didn't win the race. He was upset. Yeah, disappointed. And then we go on to um, uh, Gateway where the two races there, he was very competitive. He led laps in both of them. And again, he was happy to come away with podiums, but he was a little bit more um, on edge about not winning the races. Mm -hmm. So he definitely got rid of that, yay, I got a trophy, and then immediately was, no, i got to be winning these yeah. things. It, it was an impressive season. It, oh, it will. It, it will come. Really important for the series as well to have a successful uh, driver from Central America uh, as as well, or north, uh, south of the border, but still sort of uh, Central-ish America, Mexican driver. I think it's really important for that marketplace, and, and he's represented his country very, very well indeed. Top three time then and in third position uh, is the Andretti Harding Steinbrenner Autosport number 88 driver with Honda Power of course Colton Herter uh, a, a race win uh, this year a pole a couple of top threes 11 top tens the stat that jumped out at me for Colton Jeremy uh, and uh, or Holton Kurter as I uh, called him at least a couple of times on the season when we were talking about him at, at various stages. The stat that jumps out for me is there's only three races where he was outside of the top 10 in finishes and one of those he was only 11th uh, at St. Pete's at the end of the year. That's how you put a championship contending season together. Yeah, he was never really in contention for the championship because of a kind of a slow, slowish start. Um, but uh, certainly uh, he came on strong, particularly towards the end of the year and you know, just... Uh, uh, only on uh, on two occasions did he qualify outside of the top ten, mm. you know, eight times in the top six. So you know that's good. That's very good. Uh, he has the speed, does Colton, and uh, he he certainly showed the way for Alexander Rossi this year uh, in, in, amongst the Andretti team. And you know, for 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 one so young, uh, he was was super impressive, and he was certainly the guy that took the challenge to the top two in as a, as this season unfolded. Uh, and I, would he have taken at the start of the year, Jeremy, if you'd said to him, right, if you'd sat down in a darkened room and said, you're going to be the best Andretti driver in terms of, of points finishing this year. I mean, that would be one of the things he'd have been trying to do. And, and he might have thought he, he would have been even further up the championship than he was if he'd been able to do that. Uh, yeah, sure. But, uh, you know, I mean, he was he was a full 100 points behind the, the second place in the championship at the end of the year, uh, only five ahead of Pado Award. So, you know, that kind of tells 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 the whole story right there. He was certainly strong at the end of the year. You know, he was uh, among, in the top uh, four or five most of the most of those, those final few races and certainly qualifying well. Uh, but uh, he, he only had the uh, the 
one pole this season, which was a little bit surprising considering how strong he was all the way Ohio, through. Yeah. Each of the last four races, he was on the first two rows of the grid, but just the one pole position and uh, and just the one win as well. So, you know, a little bit disappointing, but uh, hey, third place in the points, it's another step in the right direction for Colton Herder. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Uh, Jeremy said he didn't, he didn't have a, a, a great, he didn't have a disastrous start to the oh. season, Sheer. Seventh, fourth, fifth and fifth. That that was retrievable. The Iowa, the two Iowa races where he qualified fourth and fifth but finished 20th and 19th. That was a big dent there. That was that was when really it started to look a little bit more difficult for him in putting that consistency. You've got to have consistency and finishing 20th and 19th in those two races. He lost a lot of ground to the two guys ahead of him in the championship that, that he really struggled to make up in the last two thirds of the season. And he lost literal mileage on the championship <laughs> on those two races because he completed all but 97 laps of the championship leaders on the season. All of those 97 laps wow. came between the two Iowa races. Contact in Good the first stuff. race took him out. The second race, he finished three laps down. So if you take away the Iowa rounds from the championship, all of a sudden you've got Colton Herta right there with Joseph Newgarden and Scott Dixon. Let's go to the top. Sorry, Joe, he, he lost. Uh, well, of those 100 points he was behind uh, Joseph Newgarden at the end of the championship, uh, he, 60 of those yes. were lost, as you say, uh, at Iowa. 60 of the, of the 100 were lost at Iowa. Yeah, and that, and that, you know, that's a that's a tough, that's tough. Even with the the numbers that go around in uh, IndyCar for your points, that's tough to make up because you're up against guys who are doing very, very well indeed. Like. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, who's the next driver we'll talk to. Exactly 100 points uh, better off than Colton Herter in second position in the championship. And a championship contender uh, all the way through the year, pretty much, Jeremy. Uh, right from the the very start, uh, he, he had a little bit of a slip up at the first World America race when he finished down in, in 14th. Four uh, trips to victory lane this year. Three pole positions. Uh, and 12 top 10 finishes for the Hitachi Team Penske number one driver, defending champion, of course. Yeah, just, I mean, just 16 points out of the championship lead was Joseph uh, Newgarden. He would have been, no question about it, a very worthy champion. He won uh, He won five races. Uh, uh, he won four races on the year, so same as the, as the champion did. Um, and it was just you know those those couple of races you talked about that was the difference for Joseph Newgarden in terms of not not winning the championship you know, for the for the uh, third year in a row he led more laps than anybody else during the season uh, fourth time in the last uh, six years he's done that um, led a total this year four of uh, four hundred and fifty five laps so more than hundred that's hundred and fifteen more than Scott Dixon wow. interestingly it's only thirty five laps less than in 2019 when there were three more races oh, wow. so yeah it was a super strong year for Joseph Newgarden uh, and uh, yeah he he is very much now the standard bearer for Team Penske, when it comes down to the races, Will Power is as fast as him, but Joseph Newgarden very rarely makes mistakes. There wasn't the same sort of uh, giveaway like there was one year ago mm. uh, at, uh, at Mid Ohio. There was, I don't think, there were, I can't remember any 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 howlers like that one. Mm. So you know, he's just getting better and oh, better, yeah. Joseph, and uh, you know, he has a, a lot more championships, I think, left in him. 
never outside the top five in points for the whole year at Shea. Uh, obviously, champion in 2017 and 2019. So next year clearly will be his year again if he is the arithmetic progression <laughs> that you're uh, so uh, of which you are so fond. Uh, I reckon he got all the laps this year. 1900 was the lap total, wasn't it, this year? Yeah, it was. And, and you're correct. I'm going to have to go um, uh, write that down in my predictions for 2021 <laughs> right now. Uh, Joseph Newgarden is the IndyCar champion. He's very um, good if... on odd years because he won the Indy Lights in 2011 as well. So that just add that to, oh, your, to yeah. your stat pack. I, that's going to go into into the back of my mind for yes. that one too. But Joseph Newgarden, as Jeremy said, uh, never or very, very rarely on a, a blue moon day where jupiter is in saturn i, I don't know um <laughs> those are the days that he makes mistakes he's done 148 races he's been running at the finish for 125 of them wow. and he's one lap short of having led 2500 laps in his young career so he definitely is somebody who will be contending for championships year after year after year but i just loved the um perfect continuity that was the season joseph newgarden knew going into st petersburg his only chance to win the championship was to go out and win the race he did that he, unfortunately for him scott dixon finished third so scott dixon still spoiler alert took the championship but joseph newgarden got to celebrate the race win while the champion was being celebrated on a podium just next door and the two of them clasped hands almost immediately upon getting out of the cars because they both had done what they set out to do yeah. for Joseph. It was go win out, the race. win the race. Yeah. And you know, he put his head down. That's what he does. Yeah. I, I, I you look at it, that, that season that Joseph put together, Jeremy, and what strikes me is that his average starting position is 5.5. His average finish position is 5.2. So he is converting. He is executing. Uh, and, and bear in mind, he had a 12th and a 14th on the year. Uh, that, that tells you, actually, if you take those out, how much better his finishing position uh, would have been. This battle that he is having now with Scott Dixon, um, year in, year out, it's absolute quality, isn't it? Because... If we were, if somebody was to ask me right now, who's going to be the championship contenders next year? Then Dixon and Newgarden would have to be the first two names on your list. It is, it is that kind of, it is that kind of competition, and that says as much about Joseph as it does about the longevity of, of Scott Dixon. Yeah, you know, he had a great year, Joseph Newgarden. He just he ended up just a little bit short in the championship, but uh, he was he was the guy to beat this year for my money. And uh, he, he he'll look back on it and just be just a little bit disappointed he didn't win the championship because he certainly did everything he needed to do to uh, to end up with with yet another championship. Um, and it was you know it was just that, that it was the start of the year, uh, everything went perfectly for uh, Scott Dixon. Uh, even though you know, only once uh, did he uh, did he qualify right at the front, Dixie, mm. but he ended up winning those three races, and that yeah. was the difference by you know, by some considerable margin. Take away those first three races, and it really wasn't very close. No, indeed. Uh, and uh, if if we're talking about Joseph being the man to beat, share well, the man who beat him was Scott Dixon. No, actually, <laughs> no polls at all this year for Scott, and that was a real issue. For him, all right. Second, seventh, ninth, sixth is your top three. 
Then Iowa, 17th and 18th. That was a disaster. Second, third, sixth. These are starting positions. 17th at Mid-Ohio. Again, that was red flag influence there. Then third. Then 12th, 15th and 11th in the last three uh, starts of the year. Contributed to an average starting position of 9.1. That's got to be as bad as Dixie's had in his IndyCar uh, career, but his average finish of five, a solid five, and he added four wins this year, same as second-place driver Joseph Newgarten, 13 top tens, and was never out of first position in the points. Got close, and a big lead started to disappear towards the end, but was never headed in the points. I mean, that that's a great championship season, isn't it? Yeah, and the, the bigger thing to me isn't necessarily the starting position, but the starting position versus the finishing position. Yeah. And how and many places he improved? twice all year did he finish worse than he started. Mm. So it didn't matter for Scott <laughs> Dixon necessarily that he qualified 18th at Iowa. He finished fifth. Yeah. He qualified 17th in the first race at Iowa. He finished second. He qualified 17th because of that red flag at Mid-Ohio. He finished 10th. He was always gaining places. And the two races where he finished worse than he started, he lost, let me see, seven and then mm, six places total. So between those two races, yeah, could have been a little bit better. But again, how are you upset with the fact that 12 times you qualified badly and then went on to do well in the race? It's Sunday that pays points. We always say this, Jeremy, that the mark of good drivers and good teams as well. And let's not forget the part played by Chip Ganassi Racing and, and indeed Honda here for Scott Dixon's uh, sixth uh, victory in the NTT IndyCar Series Championship. Is picking up the points that are available to you. Uh, so, you know, no non-finishes, points scored everywhere, every lap of the season uh, completed. And, you know, motor racing is a fickle business. It's not always going to go your way, particularly not in IndyCar, where everything is uh, is so closely fought. You've got to be able to take it on the chin on your bad day and say, well, if I'm going to be fifth, I'll take fifth, and I'm not going to try and make a daft overtake to try and get. F- oh, I'm in the fence. That that's not that's not Dixie's mo, and that's what wins some championships. Very much so. Michael, in Michael, who's yeah. the managing director at Chip Ganassi Racing, he's got uh, probably the most the, the best strategist on the pit lane, particularly with RP not uh, on the pit lane himself mm. on the pit box anymore at, uh, at Team Penske. Uh, you know, very 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 rarely makes the wrong call, does Mike, and that's. Uh, the, the large reason, biggest reason by a long way, why he, he won those first three races of the season. Look, the last time anybody led wire to wire in IndyCar Championship was 2006 in Champ Car when Sebastian wow. Bourdais uh, also won. Well, he won the first four races of the season, actually. Dixie this year, this year won the first three. Uh, that was the last time anybody, anybody did this. Dixon came close himself, actually, in 2008. Uh, he won the first race of the season, but a, a DNF in round two, which is St. Pete, uh, dropped him uh, into second place just very briefly. He got, got it back again and led from there on in. Uh, and uh, also in 2014, Will Power won the first race of the championship and uh, ended up winning winning the whole thing. But uh, he had a couple of, uh, of uh, poor results, particularly uh, before... Well, 
he lost the lead a couple of times during the year. So yeah, yeah it was he did exactly what he had to do. He just he just uh, sat back on that uh, on that brilliant start of the season and used that to his to, to tremendous effect and and held off the challenges of, of Joseph Newgarden. So it was a a very hard earned championship for Scott Dixon. I, I didn't get the pole this year, Jeremy. He won the championship in in two thousand and eighteen without getting a pole position. Uh, his last pole was actually in 2017 at uh, Indianapolis. Now, I, I suspect if we sat down with, with Scott, he wouldn't say that was a deliberate ploy. But quite clearly, he had a very good race car this year. And I know there's not very big differences between a race car and a qualifying car in IndyCar. But you've got to say, if you're going to have a good car, you'd rather have it on race day than on, on qualifying day if you can make up positions. And, and he, he tended to do that. But the kind of mindset and brain that Scott and indeed Chip Ganassi and Mike Hull have got at Chip Ganassi Racing, they'll be looking at that and his last two championship wins and going, hang on, he's, he's, he's won the championship twice without getting a pole position. So there, there's still places, scarily for everybody else up and down the pit lane, there's still places where they can improve. Yeah, you know, it's uh, arguably it's going to become more and more difficult for, for Dixie to, to win more championships now with, with these youngsters you know, really pushing things to the limit and he's not able to find that last bit uh, in in qualifying, hmm. certainly compared to to, to to Colton Herder, who was you know quite a bit ahead of him in qualifying on a regular basis, uh, also with with a Honda, of course. So, you know, um, it, it helps that he's got that great strategy there. He's got a, a tremendous racing brain, Scott Dixon. Uh, he, he might not be the fastest, and if he isn't the fastest, he knows that. He, yeah. He's 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 at peace with that, yes. and he makes sure he did that. He just brings the car home, and you know, he races super well. He's brilliant on saving 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 fuel, of course. You know, just being uh, being uh, the, the the economy with with which he drives is really what won him the championship this year. Yeah, and Jerry's made a, a fantastic point now. Um, point there, uh, Shea, about it being at. He said a piece. That's a really good way of describing it. He doesn't get flustered behind the wheel. You know, you you don't see him very seldom. Do you see him overdriving a car? He'll he'll take his time. He, he knows it's you know even this short season. He knows it's a long season, and he's looking. He's playing the long game. Whether he's saving the fuel and sitting in the draft, whether he's talking to the pits and working out what's going on down down the line he's, he's always thinking ahead and that I mean that he's going to have to do all of that again if he's going to add to his championship hall isn't he he is and um I mean obviously we've established that Joseph's going to win it in 2021 so who knows if Scott will have another chance to get it <laughs> 2022. in 2022 um but to be honest when when you look at the record books Scott Dixon is now on a different level in terms of, of being an IndyCar champion for so many times, having accomplished that. But he does still have the possibility to break Mario Andretti's all-time win record. Uh, well, he's second on the list with 52. Dixon right now with 50. Um, that was a big accomplishment this year as well, getting those four wins and then ultimately taking him up to the big five-zero mark. You've got to wonder what Scott is looking to accomplish at this stage. Is he looking for more championships? Yes, of course, who isn't, but if he's being greedy, he would want the championship. What is it that he is aiming for, for 2021? 
another championship, yes, but is he just trying to rack up the wins or is he just driving because he loves racing? To be honest, I think it's the third. Yeah, yeah. I think that Scott Dixon is just one of those guys who it still puts a smile on his face to get out of bed in the morning and drive an Indy car. And quite likely, Jeremy, that we're going to see him uh, paired up with Frank von der Sander and Kevin Magnussen uh, for uh, Chip Ganassi racing in a Cadillac DPI in some of the IMSA races next year, including probably the the Rolex 24. Uh, he's 40 years old now. How has Scott Dixon got to be 40? I have no clue, uh, but he is. But he shows he shows no uh, signs of of losing his edge and losing the will to win and the will to com- to compete. Agreed. Uh, he's a racer. He has a passion for racing. Uh, he just loves being in a racing car. I mean, he's got a tremendous family. Loves the family, uh, but the you know, driving a racing car isn't too far behind. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's that passion that drives him forward. Uh, just he knows he knows he's good. He's comfortable with his own skin. He's he's really totally uh, yeah. It, well, it really is, and, yeah. and you know he he's regarded as a as a, as a god there at, at Ganassi Racing, quite rightly yeah. because he should be. He is he, he he's one of those guys that should have been in Formula One if he'd have been in Formula One. I say should have. Uh, certainly good enough to have been. Yes. He probably wouldn't want. He didn't. He he'd been perfectly happy with his career in IndyCar. He doesn't he doesn't regret. Uh, not having been in Formula One, but if he had been in Formula One and with the right team, no question, he would have won championships there just as he has here. And, uh, you know, he might not have made so, so much money from Chip as he would have been, uh, would have done in Formula One. But again, that's not why he, that's not why he's racing. He's racing because he loves racing and he does it to the best of his ability and his ability is pretty darn good. Uh, and we, we should say as well, and I'm going to ask, both Jay and Jeremy, for their race of the year, the rookie of the year and the driver of the year. And that might not be as obvious, particularly for the driver of the year, uh, as as you might think. But we should say uh, Scott Dixon couldn't have done it without Emma, his missus, uh, and the support of his kids, Poppy, Tilly uh, and Kit as well, as we all should say for following and taking part in motor racing this year. This year of all years has been very difficult on all the families, particularly with the compressed nature of the racing going on. All right, let's wrap up our look at the NTT IndyCar Series 2020. Uh, Do the points tell the full story, Jeremy Shaw? And was the rookie of the year, uh, Renus VK? Um, it was it was very close actually. You have to say, uh, Rios VK, Alex Plew, Oliver Askew, all tremendously talented drivers, uh, and uh, yeah, Rina certainly he started off dismally with uh, a, a crash in uh, practice and in the race uh, at Texas, but uh, you know he learned from that, uh, and uh, yeah, I think he was certainly. No question, he was a deserving rookie of the year. Yes. Yeah, he won it on point shared. Uh, he, he also, I and I agree with Jeremy on this. He, he won it on how he improved through the season. He certainly was the was the improver driver who learned most. I would think yeah. uh, as well. Does he take your vote for for rookie of the year points and everything else aside? Yes, and purely because of that most improved player sort mm, of thing, yeah. um, because he showed growth over the course of the beginning of the season which the oval crash which was very scary to being very very competitive and somebody that we are excited about to see in the future so mm. Rena's bk yeah deserving rookie of the year 
yeah, race. It, it really, I think it was that, that, that Indianapolis where he qualified fourth. That was kind yes. of the turnaround yes. uh, for, uh, for Renas. He, he didn't finish well there, but he qualified qualified well and i think that you know that really uh, improved his his level of confidence hugely and he, he built you know, built on that towards the end of the year yeah and that's a fair point jeremy sometimes it is something like that 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 makes the uh, the self-belief i know every, uh, we've said this before racing drivers have got to have a particular mindset but self-belief and a bit of the big more the big momentum really does make make a difference at race of the year sure you can have first crack and it's for me I, I i loved the two iowa races i loved the two uh gateway races and i did like indianapolis so quite a lot of my favorite races this year were were on the oval Shay, what about you um honorable mention for saint pete i thought that yeah. that was a really strong way to round out the championship but in terms of looking back at all of these races, and you're right, the, the short oval races, they were captivating Road America. Both of those races were really fun to watch, Good. too. Yes. The the one that stands out the most for me, though, in terms of trying to remember it, the Indy 500. It's yeah. got to be. Um, we felt a little bit ripped off at the end because of race control calls. And then ultimately, I agree with what they did. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll put it out there and I'll say that right now. Uh, the first time you watch it, you feel one way. The second time you watch it, you feel a totally different way. Uh, what about you, Jeremy? Oval, street course, or road circuit? And and by the way, can we also celebrate the fact that IndyCar still race on ovals, on streets, and on natural terrain road circuits as well? I do think that's very important going forward with IndyCar. Um, a bit oval heavy this year, but that was in extenuating circumstances. What do you reckon for the, the race of the year? I'll defer to you on those ones. I, my memory is not good enough to, to to remember all those individual races. But most of the races were great. That's that's the great thing about IndyCar. They're always closely closely contested. You know, thankfully, we were able to get that race in at St. Pete because that was yes. the only street race yes. this year. So that was certainly a good way to finish off, and you know, good. I think you know that uh, bodes well for next year when things are looking, I think, a little bit more promising. Mm. Yeah, uh, good to have that variety. Shea, driver of the year for you. I, I, surely you're not, with the amount of times I've heard the word Scott and Dixon come out of your mouth uh, down through <laughs> the years when we've been talking about IndyCar, normally with don't count Scott Dixon out uh, at any stage of any championship in the history uh, of ever. The points say yes, the p- finishing position yes. Is he your driver of the year? Because I'm going to leave Joseph Newgarden for Jeremy. Yes, Scott Dixon <laughs> is my driver of the year. Um, and also the fact that bigger picture, he won uh, the 24 hours of Daytona again this year mm. and Petit Le Mans. Yes. So Scott Dixon had a really good 2020. And as you rightly mentioned, he had a son. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, showing that uh, showing that he can compete in a variety uh, of different uh, events. Um, it's getting tighter, isn't it, Jeremy? When when you look at the top of the field and what Scott did, how hard Joseph pushed him, uh, particularly in the second half of the season. But look further down, Colton Herter, Pat O'Ward, they are definitely coming men. It's not too long ago that we thought Joseph was one of the new breed, but he, you know, there's there's even more of a new breed snapping at their heels there. Yeah, I think the the future is bright. Yeah, you know, once again, though, it's it's Ganassi and Penske dominating at the front. They're yeah. the top two positions. You know, a hundred points clear of everybody else. You know, led most laps. All, all of the statistical categories point to uh, to those two teams. The good news is that one's a Honda team, one's a Chevy team. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I think for me, 
Dixon definitely deserved this championship, no question about it. I would not want to take anything at all away from him. Uh, but uh, I think Joseph Newgarden could consider himself a little bit unlucky not to come away with another championship. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I've got to say uh, honours drawn between those two, mm-hmm. but with honourable mentions also for Colton Herter, who certainly came on strong at the end of the year, and Will Power, who just needs to uh, to put it all together and not make so many mistakes. Yeah, fair fair point. For me, I- I'll give it to Dixie, just for the simple uh, simple reason that he made it interesting for us by being not that good uh, in a part of, part of the year that saw his, his championship lead diminish from well over 100 points to uh, far fewer uh, than a race. Um, that made things interesting what's great for us is that it's been another fabulous year of racing in the NTT IndyCar series uh, thank you very much to Jeremy Shaw and to Shea Adam for popping up at various times during the year on Midweek Motorsport to keep us updated with what's been going on so defending champion ends up in second a previous year's champion wins the championship new names coming up through the pack and the Chip Ganassi Penske rivalry continues looks like 2021 is going to be another cracking season and we'll keep you abreast of it here on the radio short limited network of channels my thanks to jeremy and Shea for joining us i'm john hindoff have a great holiday season happy christmas and have a great new year back racing when it starts again bye-bye Where is that? Thank you both. That was fun. It was. That yeah, was thank fun. you very much. Great uh, fun. Very good. Very good. Tim, are you listening? I'll send him a note. Because he's probably, if he's got any sense, nipped down to grab some food. Uh, <laughs> Which I need to do the same, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, Jeremy, Back thank you. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Um, I... I where are we now? I, I We've got, if you guys have got the time, I'd like to do a pilot challenge one um, and a little wrap-up of the um, support series as well in IMSA. I, I, I kind of think that that could be a, a shortish standalone. We, we should definitely do one for, for pilots. Um, how are you guys fixed it? either later on this week or early next week. Flexi bubble. Yeah, flexible. Uh, shall we do Thursday again? Uh, Thursday, same time, same back Fine time. Fine by me. Yeah. Can you send sure. me a reminder on Wednesday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Can you send me a reminder to send Jeremy a reminder? Because yes. yeah, the two yeah, old I farts. Remember, remember, you know, remember how much of our grey matter is disappearing as we get there. And I played Absolutely. football when I was younger and I headed the ball a lot, so I'm bl- oh, blaming boy. that. I'm blaming <laughs> that. Uh, best two all around each, and I'll speak to you on Thursday. Sounds yeah, great. Well, Thanks so Wednesday. much. Uh, oh, yes, we- Wednesday for uh, our for, award show. For the award show. I hope you've got a nice, nice frock. I don't, but I'll go find one. Okay. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'll, I'll, once I know what's happening, I'll, I'll send you a note on that, okay? All righty. All right. Best, everybody. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. 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 
This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.